This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Strangers and Aliens, Episode 147, Jupiter Ascending Review. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend's plumber. Hello, welcome to Strangers and Aliens. This is an episode that I am doing solo. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here to talk about Jupiter Ascending. I'm going to attempt to talk about this movie in as spoiler-free a way as possible. I don't want to spoil the movie. There is one bit about the movie that uh, I do want to mention at the end, but I'm going to wait until the end. Basically what it comes down to is this. I'm going to explain to you why you would want to go and see Jupiter ascending. And if the things I say are things that you would say, well, that would mean I would not want to see it. Well then good job done. I'm telling you about the movie. Uh, but I'm trying to tell you about this movie without telling you specifics. The thing of it is, it's such a simple movie that you're going to be able to recognize uh, what's going to happen by the end of the movie uh, at the beginning. Okay, Jupiter Ascending is not a complicated film. It is, well, let me rephrase. There's some complicated bits in the film, but that's about the journey. Uh, this is a fairy tale. That's the thing about Jupiter Ascending. Jupiter Ascending is a fairy tale story. And so when you start watching that movie, by the time you know you get to the title screen, you're kind of going to know where this movie is going with a uh, character arc for the main character, whose name is Jupiter. And within the next 10 minutes, you're going to kind of realize, oh, I know where this plot is going. And by the end of the movie, nothing surprising is going to happen in the climax. Nothing that really and, – and this is maybe one of the weaknesses is that this is a fairy tale and so you can kind of know what to expect. The one thing that I I didn't expect was just getting there, the journey, the things that you passed along the way. And so here's what I'm going to do right now. Um there's a couple of themes uh, that I, I want to kind of talk about a little bit and you know, tell you maybe even some things to watch for in the movie. Uh, I'm going to tell you what the movie is not, and I'm going to tell you some of the other movies that I thought about when I saw Jupiter Ascending. Now, what is this movie not? This movie is not Cloud Atlas. And right now, some of you are saying, oh, good, I actually want to go and see it now. Uh, this is a movie by the Wachowskis. What are the Wachowskis known for? Well, obviously they're known for The Matrix. And then they're known for The Matrix sequels. And then you throw Speed Racer in there a little bit, a movie I actually kind of enjoyed. Uh, no, I shouldn't say kind of. I, I did enjoy it. 
And then Cloud Atlas, which looks so amazing in the trailers. And when I went and saw it, I do appreciate the visuals that went into that movie. I appreciate what they were trying to do with the movie. But ultimately, I found it to be forgettable. I remember some vague uh, visuals from that thing, especially in the sci-fi future stuff. But I really I, – I couldn't even tell you what it was about. It it just it was just forgettable to me. Now I know people who like that movie a lot, and they're people whose opinions I respect a lot. And so, um, I'm not going to go so far as to say it's a bad movie, other than to say, boy, I do not remember a thing. Uh, I just remember Tom Cruise, not Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks. Yeah, if I remember Tom Cruise in that movie, that's that's a real problem because. Um, he wasn't in it, but I remember Tom Hanks and I remember Tom Hanks looking kind of bad in some prosthetic makeup. And I remember some really interesting visual future stuff. And I remember how there was something to do with music and like a record and a nuclear power plant. And that's, that's it from cloud Atlas. This movie's not cloud Atlas. You know what else this movie is not? This movie is not the matrix. It is kind of similar to some of the themes they were trying to shoehorn in at the end of Matrix. And the end of Jupiter Ascending kind of reminded me of a little bit of the open-endedness of the end of the Matrix. However, when Jupiter Ascending ends, I don't feel a desire for more. You can kind of see where they would might go for a sequel. Uh, but with the Matrix, I was promised more. I wanted more. <laughs> and what I thought they were promising was not what they delivered. Now, it's their story, so they can deliver what they want. I just thought they were telling me they were going to do one thing, and then they said, nope, we're going to turn, and we're going to do this, and we're going to, you know, all the excitement that you feel at the end of the Matrix just got completely burned for me. I don't like the two sequels. I don't like either of them. Which is interesting because some of the um, uh, some of the the fairy taleness, I guess, of the third Matrix movie is really what Jupiter Ascending is is about. I mean, Jupiter Ascending is a fairy tale. It is a science fiction Disney princess movie. If you were to take um, Cinderella, or maybe a better example even would be Sleeping Beauty, and take that and smash it together with uh, Treasure Planet. It's kind of what you get here. This is a movie about a princess who's in the middle of a fairy tale. She's taken... It, it, you, you know, it follows that traditional fairy tale where the, the main character starts out with her life and, and it's not a great life. And then she finds out there's more to her life than what she ever thought. She might be a princess even. Yay! And... And then she starts her journey and she goes and she meets friends and creates allies. And so you've got the Wizard of Oz element there. Uh, you've got even that, that moment of, of rest as she comes and, and, and comes to this place where she's able to get all the exposition. And then she starts moving from castle to castle to castle. And she has her protector who's there and who comes to rescue her at these different castles. In each castle, you have a different person who's offering her something new and something better. And 
it's interesting because for me, that's where it kind of gets into some of the Christian theme of this woman who has this identity that she's just found out about. She's royalty. She's royalty. And as she's getting ready and learning and all this kind of thing, well, she is approached by these people who offer her, uh, you know, outside deals. Okay. And it just reminds me of that. We have this identity in Christ. And yet as humans, we find ourselves being tempted and find ourselves, and maybe tempted is even a, a too strong of a word, but being distracted to go and to, to look here and to look there and, and to find our sense of worth somewhere else or find a shortcut, uh, you know, instead of leaning in on God and leaning in on the Holy Spirit, uh, we, we look for these, these shortcuts that might be easier because, you know, the, the truth is when you're really, you know, diving in deep with God, it's not always easy and it's not always pleasant and it's not, it doesn't always feel good. And so we look for those ways to feel good. How can I take care of this problem in the easiest way possible so that I don't have to, you know, confront someone that I, I don't feel comfortable confronting, even though by doing so it'll help both me and them, but this is an easier way. And so she's, you know, she's tempted at these different places along the line, but we also get revelations then about what is actually going on behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. And so you have some of these ideas also of truth and do you want to know the truth? And, you know, similar to, you know, the whole conversation with, uh, with Neo and, and Morpheus that kind of resounded with Christians, especially that, you know, take this pill or that pill and you can then go there or go to bed or, or whatever. And there's this idea of just truth and do people want to know the truth and do, does the truth even matter? And, and so when one of the, one of the statements I actually wrote down was that lies are the source of hope and belief. Lies are the foundation. And, you know, we want lies and we believe lies and all that kind of thing. So I've heard people complain about this movie. That is not a deep movie. And the truth of it is, as a fairy tale, it's not meant to be a deep, a deep plotted movie. It's meant to be a uh, I, an archetype. It's meant to take you along beat by beat on this storyline that will cause you to, you know, be thrilled uh, and ultimately be satisfied by what could be a rote ending. But like I said, it's the journey getting there because these. When I say she goes from castle to castle to castle and meets the you know the lord of each castle kind of thing, the castles. One is a spaceship, and it is gorgeous. The technology in this movie, it's alien and different, but at the same time, it is just immense and powerful looking and has a beauty to it that is a practical beauty. I mean, it looks like these spaceships could work based on the rules of you know, space travel that they're giving us. And what's cool, one cool thing about it is, you know, the spaceships as they're traveling, they don't, they aren't even necessarily connected to every single part of itself. 
So, you know, imagine maybe the, the Starship Enterprise and you have that main hull part in the bottom and then you have, uh, you know, the neck that has a saucer section, but the neck isn't there. And then you have the, the, the arms that hold the, the warp nacelles and the arms aren't there. So you have these kind of floating four pieces. They're one unit. They go together and they're, they're opening, you know, wormholes or warp holes. I can't remember what the, the terminology was that they used in Jupiter Ascending. But um, imagine that. Only it's just, you know, these kind of elegant um, gold parts. I'm just – I was reminded in some ways of some of the best parts of, of uh, the Flash Gordon um, movie. And I was reminded in, in a lot of ways of Star Wars. And the, the fact of the matter is the other thing is, you know, it's a simple fairy tale plot. So it's not a deep story as far as that goes. Your character arcs are pretty simple too. There's not a lot of depth to the movement of characters, although there is a depth to the emotion of characters. I found myself watching them go through their excitement and you know, watching them go through these battle scenes. I actually found myself caring about them. And I wasn't wondering, oh, are they going to make it? I was thinking, oh, I hope they make it, and I, I wonder how it's going to happen. Um, you know, and there's lots of last-minute rescues, and there's lots of, you know, thrilling... Uh, there's a trench run, you know, the trench run from Star Wars is echoed in this movie in the Chicago River. And like they're, they're driving, I mean, they're flying over the river and, and into it and around the bridges. And um, there's, there's a whole battle scene that's just around the Chicago skyline. It's an awesome scene that, you know, we've seen similar things before, uh, even in like Transformers or, you know, how many how many shows have we seen where we're watching, you know, our cities be destroyed? We're seeing that here happen in Jupiter Ascending, but there's a twist. And so, yeah, there's a lot of things. Okay, so the depth of the fairy tale, but then there's also a lot of things where you're looking at you saying, I've seen this before. And, yeah, I wrote down a number of movies that <laughs> uh, that I kind of saw, thought, oh, I've seen this before. Highlander 2. Yeah, I never thought that I was going to be watching a movie that's kind of referencing some of the um, technology of Highlander 2. There's a vibe at the beginning of the movie as they're, you know, as the people are kind of coming out, you know, the, the alien people are kind of coming out and doing their thing in Chicago. And I'm just, I'm reminded of Highlander 2. I was also reminded of like any number of vampire movies where the, you know, it's, it's happening at night. It's in the city, and the vampires come out, and, and they're walking down the you know empty um, alleyways and that kind of thing. But yeah, Highlander two. I was reminded of Dune, the you know 1984 Dune, and even the newer Dune as well. I was reminded of the the Dune miniseries uh, with some of the the just the look of some of the the places where they are, some of these environments and these structures and the architecture, and it's just there's some beautiful, beautiful set design going on here. And so I, I was reminded of Dune. I was reminded of Lord of the Rings. I was reminded of the Fifth Element. I was reminded of Brazil. There is this section in the very middle of the movie that just has to do with bureaucracy. Fortunately, it's pretty short. Uh, they don't overstay their welcome. Um, it reminded me, though, of, of Brazil. It reminded me of uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And 
I was reminded of Brazil, and boy, I wish that I had seen the uh, cast list before I saw the movie so I could look for him. But in that segment that reminded me of Brazil where it's getting into bureaucracy and paperwork and you know you need to get this form, this form, this form, wouldn't you know it? It's Terry Gilliam. Terry Gilliam plays the last guy in that whole line of things as, as the characters are trying to navigate a lot of uh, – well, really, it just comes down to bureaucracy and and commerce and economics. And uh, it sounds like it could be boring, and it could. It skirts where we could get boring here because we're talking about, you know, who has the largest market share uh, in, in the galaxy. It doesn't. It gets close, but it doesn't. Uh, but the last person in that sequence is Terry Gilliam, the director of Brazil. And I didn't recognize him. He's, he's buried under a bunch of makeup. Um, I want to see this movie again. And one of the things I wanted to look for when I see the movie again is I want to look for Terry Gilliam's uh, underneath the makeup of that character. Uh, another movie I was reminded of is um, actually It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, that's something I'll talk about later. But there's a lot of movies that we've seen before where you're seeing things again in this one. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because in some ways it's done better. I mean, the Highlander 2 stuff that I'm talking about, uh, if you've seen the trailer, you've seen how uh, one of the characters has kind of flying boots. And so as he's zipping back and forth, um, in Highlander 2, they were kind of on these like flying skateboarder things, if I remember correct. But um, obviously they were on wire and kind of on a pendulum kind of going as they're swinging from place to place. They're, they're arcing the way a wire would carry them, not the way, you know, necessarily they would be flying if they were actually going, moving through the air. He's actually moving through the air and it's a little goofy at first. You get used to it, but the way he's, he has to use his, his, uh, anti-gravity shoes. It it does look a little bit goofy. Um, but you get around it. So what of the story? Well, the story itself, like I said, it's pretty simple. A woman finds out that she's her mundane. And when I say mundane life, I can totally relate to this woman's mundane life of um, just scrubbing toilets. And she is just spends her her days working hard as um, you know a housekeeper and with her with her mother and her, her aunt and they're they're working hard they you know cleaning people's houses and as she's cleaning people's houses you can she you know you can tell she's longing for more she hates her life she's longing for more she looks at herself in the mirror holding up jewelry from one of the you know the the one of the bedrooms where she's cleaning she holds it up to her ears just to see what it looks like uh, she longs for a different life, a new life. And that's a big theme in this whole entire uh, movie. That's probably the biggest theme because it's the one that's tied to most directly to our main character of, of Jupiter Jones. Uh, but So that theme is there and it's powerful. And the resolution of that theme is slightly different than what I was expecting. And I really appreciated it actually. Um, another theme is one of, of love, true love. I mean, like I said, this is a fairy tale. This is a Disney princess in space. 
and she obviously there's going to be love involved. And so you have one, her mother says that love is just urges and obligations. Um, and she's always falling for the wrong guy. So she says, we don't actually get to see that. That's one of those things that's told to us, but not uh, shown to us. But she, um, this, the idea of marriage and commitment and love and all these things, they're brought up. It's not a super strong theme. Uh, it's just there because you know what? Love conquers all. Um, which again is kind of funny when I use that phrase. That's a phrase that's used for a cut, the studio cut of the movie Brazil, is the Love Conquers All cut, where they stop the movie at a point where it actually feels like it has a happy ending, and you know, Sam falls in love and lives happily ever after. That's not the ending that Terry Gilliam intended. But anyway, there's that theme. There's another theme of. Um, what's important, what, what are important commodities. And as she's moving from castle to castle, um, she's navigating being a Royal. She's navigating being a princess and also navigating. And I don't want to get too much into what the commodities are, but it's a very matrixy feeling, uh, situation that she finds herself in when she realizes what earth is to these people who live out in space. And there's all these, you know, there's house a It's not a trade is like uh, Dune, but it, it sounds a lot like that, but you have these three siblings who are, you know, they're vying for earth. They each, each of them wants earth for a different reason. And therefore they want uh, their, the relationship with her is then um, completely uh, guided by their, their uh, their motivations for wanting the earth and and each of these siblings as she goes along it gets worse and worse because that's what happens in a in a movie the situation gets worse and worse but the one idea that gets passed on is this idea that time is the only commodity that's worth fighting for when you have the universe at your fingertips she says you know on your planet you fight for oil and and you fight for for these uh, you know food and but the only real commodity is time is life really and it's a really interesting idea I wish again that's one that they kind of scratched at but they don't really fully explore so as far as a movie that's not really a deep movie and and that the the plot really doesn't do anything that's uh, unexpected. Uh, unlike you know the Matrix, wow, I I wasn't expecting what happened in that movie. I didn't expect you know Neo to be able to do what he could do. Even when you saw him training, it was just all of a sudden, oh, this is something even bigger. No, in, in this one, the, the surprise to me was that the damsel in distress was in distress so much, and, and that she wasn't as strong a character as as soon as I thought she would be. Uh, one thing though. <laughs> I can see why people aren't all that interested in it, but if you're into sci-fi, I think you're going to like at least seeing this movie. There's some incredible visuals. They've the world building is well done, and then there's these these themes that they kind of scratch at and that they you know poke at and they they kind of tug at a little bit. 
they don't follow it all the way through on on some of these, uh, but especially that one theme of just life. You know, it's not what you do; it's who you are or what you are. Um, that's a that's a big theme in this movie, and. I wouldn't go so far, and I'm not going to go nearly as crazy as youth pastors did, man, when Matrix came out, man. Watch out, because every single youth pastor in the entire United States was using the clip of the blue pill or the red pill, you know, that, or whatever color pills they were. Um, anyway, I'm not going to go that crazy, but there are some things here. There's some food for thought in this movie, and there's definitely room for discussion after this movie about some of the things that they talk about. I do feel like they moved the the date, the release date on this one, uh, because I, I believe it was meant to come out in, you know, like Christmas or maybe even earlier fall. But I just have a feeling that the studio was kind of like, oh, no. Guardians of the Galaxy looks incredible. We better not release our movie too close to that because this movie, it's light. It's fun. It's meant to be fun. And it's meant to have that fairy tale feeling. And so, yeah, if you're looking for something that is just visually appealing, that's not too deep, but that's got some, it's got some, some, some things you can chew on, you're just not getting a meal. You know, you're, you're getting a good, solid, um, you know, afternoon snack. And it's, it's not just, uh, it's, it's not just a Twinkie that you're getting here. I mean, you're, you're getting something solid. that's going to, you know, tide you over to dinner, but anyway, you're, you're going to get something out of this movie as you're watching it. If you're watching it in the right mood and the right mood is the one that just says, I just want to, I want to watch a movie that's going to be interesting just knowing it's not going to be you know it's not it's not the new star wars it, you know when you know i'm talking about it's not like watching star wars in 1977 it's not like watching matrix in 1999 it's it's not like it's not breaking any new ground but it's also not resting on um, it's laurels. It it really is something new in some of the visuals, and it's just there's some some interesting and fun stuff to this movie. So, is it perfect? No, it did get a little bit repeti- rep- repetitious. I felt like um, I felt like we were kind of watching different episodes, uh, similar, I guess, to uh, Speed Racer. I mean, Speed Racer. That people say, well, it, it was such a bad movie that it didn't get a chance to have a sequel. I, I feel like they, when they made Speed Racer, they said, we're not going to get a chance like we did with Matrix to do a second and third Speed Racer movie. So let's just put the whole trilogy into one. That movie is a trilogy all together. This, it's it's a un, united whole. It, it's not... Uh, you know, you have a beginning, you have a middle and an end, but it does feel a little episodic and it does feel a little repetitious. But my my final verdict on Jupiter Sending is I enjoyed it. I actually want to see it again because I feel like there were some things that I missed out on as far as some of the world building that I would – I, I want to revisit this world. I don't necessarily want a sequel, but I would like to see this again. I'm not planning to own it. I will red box this thing or watch it on Netflix. Uh, but I want to see it again because 
there was some interesting stuff uh, and and some beautiful, beautiful cinematography and beautiful, beautiful sci-fi imagery. So that's that's my take on Jupiter ascending. I want to thank you for for listening, and I'm not sure what our next episode's topic is going to be. Uh, I do apologize for our release schedule lately. Uh, I have a new job that I got. Well, it's not new anymore. I got this back in November. Uh, But the way that some things have come up in my job in the last couple of weeks has taken away more time than I expected. Um, It's a good thing, actually. What's happened is there's a revival uh, going on right now in our area and our church has gotten involved in helping out with some of the behind the scenes stuff and, and that involves uh, working with some of the children during the, the meeting times for the revival so I get to work with the kids on, on Thursdays um, but it is taking up a, a lot more of my time than just my, my typical normal job and I boy I, I would love to talk more about the, the whole revival thing uh, that's going on it's really prayer focused and really uh, uh, quite a remarkable remarkable thing there's been there's been healings and there's been um, people you know dedicating their lives to just following Christ and it, there's some really interesting stuff going on and I'm excited to be a part of it but that has meant that because um, I'm doing that on Thursday nights and that's normally when I record with Dr. Jason Steve and so it's meant that Dr. Jason Steve and I really have not found a time uh, outside of our normal scheduled time to have any conversations. And so you're getting this solo episode from me talking about Jupiter Ascending, but I wanted to talk about this movie, even if I'm not talking with someone, I'm talking to someone, but I would like to hear what you think. So if you would head to uh, strangersandaliens.com, you can find a contact form there and just let us know what you thought about Jupiter Ascending. And, um, I've heard some really negative opinions about this movie, and if you have that negative opinion and you'd like to share that, I would I would love to actually take that and, and use it maybe in an upcoming feedback episode or something. This is episode 147. I don't know what we're going to do for episode 150. That might be just a, a feedback episode. I'm, I'm not sure. But anyway, until next time, thank you for listening, everyone, and Godspeed. forgot i need to revise the end credits thing here thanks for listening and godspeed oh the end credit intro is really long (laughs) thanks for listening and godspeed You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Steve MacDonald, and Dr. Jace O'Neill. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. Please join in the conversation by visiting our website, strangersandaliens.com, where you will find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com, or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangers. Or you can leave us a voicemail on the Strangers and Aliens hotline. Just call 1-804-37-ALIEN and leave your message. And once again, thanks for listening.
All right, here's a spoiler, I promised you. I'm going to play the spoiler music just because I love the spoiler music, but here it comes. Spoilers. 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 Okay. It's a Wonderful Life. It's about Clarence, a guardian angel who's just trying to get his wings. Jupiter Ascending, it's about Cain, who's basically a guardian angel trying to get his wings. And both Clarence and Cain get their wings. Yes, Jupiter Ascending is a sci-fi retelling of It's a Wonderful Life without the weird flashbacky type of thing where we find out that well anyway obviously it's not a perfect one for one analogy but uh i did <laughs> i got to the end of the movie and i realized what this is just about clarence getting his wings yeah so that's the spoiler bye everyone thanks for listening godspeed